Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. We've got a voicemail from Jonathan Leonard. Hey, Greg. This is Jonathan calling. Um, I just wanted to chime in on uh, let's get this over with. Uh, First of all, uh, no parking on the dance floor uh, was a song by a band, Midnight Star, so I kind of always got the vibe of that song with that but i think that also ties in to the uh you don't have to go home but you can't stay here semi-sonic thing i think it's not referencing closing time necessarily i think it's just a way to connect the end to the beginning of the song the thing there's no parking on the dance floor it's a club situation and you're at the end of the song so it's you don't have to go home but you can't stay here so I don't necessarily see it as a semi-sonic connection. And uh, as a Minnesotan where uh, semi-sonic is from, I feel like my vote should count for at least two or three times uh, that of the other people that chime in. But that's just me. Anyways, love the show. Bye. Yeah, I was unaware of that song called No Parking on the Dance Floor. Being that that's not a common expression, I'd say there's a decent chance that that's what Linnell was referencing. If you'd like to get in the mailbag segment, send us an email at this might be a pod at gmail or call us at 224-801-2930. On with the show. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I have a returning guest all the way, way back from episode one. Mr. David Britton is here to talk about the song Stomp Box off of John Henry.
Thank you. You have a very, it's so good to be here. And I love your, Hi, like, uh, you have like an early morning, like uh, drive time DJ voice uh, at the beginning. <laughs> well, I was, tr- I was trying to do my stop box voice, you know, like at the oh, end, yeah. like, ah, <laughs> John Henry. You know. Oh yeah, I think yeah, you pulled that off. You know, I feel silly for not recognizing that's what you were doing. I feel like I should put some distortion on the track there. Had to take a little yeah. drink there that 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 hurt my hurt me gullet a little bit. Yeah, well. <laughs> so man, two years ago we started this this thing, and you were uh, a pilot episode, Mister Guinea Pig, doing the very yeah. first one with me. Brave and uncharted territory. I feel like you and I could have just like sat around and talked about they might be giants all night without microphones on anyway. Like it was like, oh, we might as well throw these microphones on. That's what makes this thing so easy. Right? I'm just going to talk about them anyway. And you had been on my radio show at least once, I'm sure. Lasersaurus. Yeah, I think, I think we were on there twice, Outdoor Valor, I believe. Uh, are you guys still playing? What's up with that? I haven't been keeping track of... What's up with that? What's up with that? Um, yeah, I mean, due to pandemic stuff, we haven't played since... Uh, I think the last show we got in before that was February. But um, been working on a new album kind of sporadically. This little uh, chart behind me here is checking off boxes of instruments that have been tracked and such. Um but a lot of it's mainly still me demoing at the moment or, you know, recording stuff well to keep, but then also like kind of, hey, other guys, here's like some idea that you could go off of and then they'll re-record stuff. All right. But yeah, so we're still going. And um, this in December will be the 10th anniversary of our first show. Oh, nice. It's too bad you can't have a big show to celebrate that. That would be great. I know. I know. <laughs> Ten years. It's uh, pretty nuts. But yeah, I mean, we're still going, but you know, the, this uh, shit has put everything on halt, uh, including your, your comedy stuff. David, here's the stand-up comedian. We need to ri- remind people about who you are. Uh, and we, I, I haven't seen you do stand-up comedy since we both lived in Bloomington, I believe, which was long time ago um yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah but um you are putting out a full-length comedy record called the history of the universe is that right yeah it's an ambitious title i'm the first to admit that i expect to learn something that's coming out friday the 13th which is a date i chose on purpose so friday Ooh. november 13th it's the first time i put something out on uh, I'm going to say a small label. Like I put stuff out. My other two things were like shorter and came out on what I would call a tiny label. So I've worked my way up to small label, uh, <laughs> which uh, takes a lot longer. is what I found out. Uh, this- are, uh, you do. Well, did, I mean, you recorded this before all the shit hit the fan. Oh, well before. It was like over a year ago, close to almost a year and a half ago. So oh, wow. I was like, maybe this Trump guy will be fine. You know, like that's all. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
that's not true. I don't know anyone listening to this and who knows either of us is like, that's not true. But it was like a long, uh, yeah, like a year and a half ago when it was recorded. So it's great. The thing is, like, I'm just not the pri- The label's great. It's on tour records, and I love them. But obviously, I'm not, like, their top priority. Like, when I'm putting out stuff myself or with my friends, it's like, oh, let's just do it this afternoon or something, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's just uh, throw some mics around and do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did you record that at? So I recorded it, speaking of being nostalgic, I recorded it in our old hometown of Bloomington, Indiana, at uh, my old home club of the Comedy Attic. That's what I thought. Nice. It was great to get to headline that club, you know, for the weekend, and it was like, it was an amazing weekend, and like, I was real happy with the recording, and like, then we went to mix it, and I was like... And that all happened, even the mixing happened fairly quickly. And then it just like got in line behind everything else, you know? So it's, it's really cool to have it finally coming out. Yeah. And uh, are you doing physical copies of it or just digital? Just, I think it's just going to be digital, but it'll be on everything, you know, it'll be on Spotify and Amazon. And well, that's a good thing about being on a label is they just take care of all that. You know, I just got to oh, wait yeah. for them to do it, but then I don't have to do it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. So, um, yeah, I expect to learn a lot about uh, the universe. I expect you to educate me like like they might be giants, educates and entertains. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've definitely been an influence on me as a comedian, for sure. Like, yeah. I don't think they're a quote unquote joke band and i'm sure like everyone who's been on this podcast would also say the same thing uh oh, yeah. but they definitely have a sense of humor that's highly you know and like uh so they've been a huge influence on me as a comedian yeah mm-hmm. yeah very uh they're they're very dark i don't know if you're quite as dark as they are but i haven't heard the new album yet i mean yeah well there's some dark stuff on it for sure but there's also like just general silliness, uh, which is my go-to. I was thinking yeah. about this the other day is like my go-to jokes when I try to write jokes are always like surreal, like weird. Like I, I love Stephen Wright, you know, and people like, like that. Emo Phillips. I like this weird surreal yeah. stuff. And that's what I'll, that's 90% of what I write. And then I'll write like 10% like political stuff or something like that. So I'll go to the open mics and it tends to be like the more like political stuff that works. So then like my act ends up being half that. Cause my thought is always like, I'm going to write the jokes and then the audience is going to tell me which ones they like. And those will be the ones that stay in the act. Right. So lots of times when I'm just being weird, which is my favorite thing to do, they're like, nah, pass. <laughs> probably depends on the room depends on the crowd it does depend a lot i can get away with a lot more in bloomington for sure than i can on the road oh the road how i miss it <laughs> she was a harsh mistress but how i miss her yeah i'm sure that sounded sarcastic but uh it was not i do actually miss it yeah no i'm sure yeah it's tough for i mean entertainers everywhere um who depend on it for a living and 
I hope uh, you're hanging in there all right, man. Yeah, actually, financially, the best thing you can do as a comedian is uh, quit. Uh, so I... <laughs> I will pay you to shut up. Yeah, like, I mean, I was making money as a comedian, but the second I had to stop that and get any different job, which is what I did, I I was telling you uh, that I started painting houses. I'm like, this pays so much more than comedy. (laughs) Yeah, being on the road's tough, too, just... uh... I mean, gas and lodging and food and all that. And then, you know, what you're taking in at the show, it's like, how much are you really pocketing after all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's definitely a fun time. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Um, well, hopefully when things get back to normal, I can come and see you sometime. I don't know if... Um, yeah, likewise. I don't even know where you are now. now. Lafayette. I'm in Lafayette. Okay. Lafayette, Indiana. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, there's not really any comedy clubs proper here, but there is a rock club that has done some comedy stuff before. Like I had uh, John Handcuff up here once. Oh, I love Handcuff. He actually put out my album before this. It was like just a 25-minute or 20-minute EP. And his little label, Busy Beaver, put that out. So that was yeah. cool. He was on the They'll Need a Crane live episode. We did a live episode down at the Bishop uh, in February. Oh, that's awesome. He's a perfect guy to have on. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I, I miss everybody. I miss, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if you ever, like, I could I could set something up in Lafayette or if, I don't know if there's places in Indianapolis that you frequent. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to do the White Rabbit Cabaret a lot. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of, uh, Indianapolis was my main place to perform because there's only the one club in Bloomington. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess for now people, uh, they can check out uh, the history of the universe on all of the streaming places. And, um, how, how can they give you money for it though? Where the, where do they go to give you money for it? What's on pre-release right now. Uh, so you can get like, I think two tracks from it. Um, and well, then the when this comes release. out, when this episode comes out, it'll either be on the day. This is either coming out on November 12th or 13th. Oh, perfect. So it should pretty much be available right away for you, uh, listeners out there. Um, so yeah. where do they go to grab it? There is a link, but it's one of those links where it's like, O R C D dot like, no. So I would say the thing to do is go to either my Instagram or my Twitter, both of which are Lasersaurus, L-A-Z-E-R-S-A-U-R-U-S. And then my bio has a link straight to the album. So yeah, find it. That's, that's the best way to find it. I had a website. It got hacked. I never like <laughs> tried to fix it out. I'm like, ah, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, but how is the Stories About Wizards website? Is that okay? Is that still secure? That's still going great. And in fact, this is the first time... Yesterday, I put out a new story every Wednesday. For those of you who don't know what Greg... It is storiesaboutwizards.com, right? It's storiesaboutwizards.com. Every Wednesday, I just write another short... Or I post another short story about a wizard that I've written. And actually, Greg, I will say... uh, I've had people like message me and be like, I found this 
a website via this might be a podcast. Like that's how I found For out real? about it. Because we talked about it that time. So it's it's totally free. The only ads are the ads that are up because I didn't go for the more expensive like version of the website. So uh, <laughs> go to storiesaboutwizards.com and it'll make me feel like I'm not shouting randomly into the universe. <laughs> shouting about wizards and, and I dragons. Didn't do it. I mean, it's, it's just for funsies. It's just for fun times. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you do you have any? Uh, are there any uh, jokes about wizards in the uh, on the album? I don't think I. You know what's weird? I don't think I talk about it ever in my act. I never talk about wizards. Here's how it started: is like I was trying. I very rarely sit down with a notebook and try to write jokes. Normally, I get like a little inkling, and then that night, if I can, I'll go to an open mic and try out whatever's in my head. Yeah. But this, sometimes I will sit down with a notebook and try to write out jokes. And what came out was like two short stories about wizards. And I tried to do those <laughs> at an open mic. It did not work. Uh, <laughs> probably because it was also like a music open mic. And uh, I was like, can I go up and do comedy? And they're like, yeah, sure. And then I did it. And they're like, we thought you were going to go up and do comedy. I was like, I thought I did. <laughs> Um, but then so I had these two stories sitting around in my notebook um, and then like a month later I was drunk I'm not going to lie I was a little drunk (laughs) and I looked up the URL wizardstories.com that was taken then I checked storiesaboutwizards.com not taken $18 snapped it up there's probably close to a hundred short stories about wizards on there now. Damn. <laughs> Everybody go check out stories about wizards and go uh, get this dude's album. Uh, yeah. Mr. Lasersaurus on the Twitter. Go, go find him and, and snatch up that sweet, sweet comedy. Yes, please. Yes. So the very first episode of this podcast was end of the tour which now seems like that that would be a more appropriate song to be talking about today yeah. since all tours have been ended uh but uh you had picked both that and Stompbox right right off the jump and this was when the spreadsheet was like almost completely empty and right. you went ahead and just grabbed those last two tracks so two years later we're going one track backwards on john henry to hit Stompbox. Yeah. So why did you pick Stompbox? I feel like, I feel like, um, well, first of all, I've heard, I, we probably talked about this last time, but I kind of, maybe it's not that I heard this, but I kind of get the inkling that the Johns are not super fond of John Henry as an album. Like it's not their favorite of their own albums. They don't play a lot of it live, you know? And I think, I read some places there was a lot of pressure on them. It was their first like full band album. And I think there was a lot of pressure on them to like be a certain band, but that album's still great. It's still one of my favorites to this day. Uh, Yeah. It's it's, it's definitely a fan favorite. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not positive what the Johns think about it themselves, but I, I, I think you're right that, yeah, not, you know, I mean, what, what songs off this album are getting a ton of play. I mean, is Exquisite Dead Guy in that one? Or maybe... No, no that's that's, uh, that's Factory Showroom. Factory Showroom, yeah. 
I mean, uh, AKA Driver, I think they play a lot. Snail Shell, I, I think they're probably still playing a lot. Uh, maybe they like the songs, but like just that maybe the recording of the album was not fun for them. Maybe that's more the true story. But I'm talking out my ass. I'm like, sh- I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was an adjustment period. Yeah. Um, relinquishing duties to other humans and not just having complete control. I think it was really good for them, though, because, like, in the later albums, they do, the more they record, the more I think they do a great job of mixing, like, electronic and live uh, instruments, you know, like, this is what's going to work best for this song. So they really, like, serve the song really well, I always think. The oh, reason yeah, I chose Stompbox is that it's, I think you and I both have a punk rock background. We probably both played in punk bands when we were younger. And it's just a oh, very yes. punk, very like shouty, like, you know, kill, 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 kill. <laughs> so it is definitely like, one of their more punk songs. Yeah. Yeah. If not their most, I can't think of like, there might be, there's some song off Apollo 18 that dig my grave is another one. Dig my like grave. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another really fast one. Um, I don't know if you've heard the song Rest a While. It was on the Working Undercover for the Man EP that yeah. came out um, before Mink Carr. That song is pretty punk, too. Um, if you haven't heard that episode, I had Dan Hickey, the guy who drummed on it, their drummer in that era, was on that episode to talk about it. Yeah, that was awesome that he came on the podcast. Like, that's really cool. And we got to talk uh, about snare drums. <laughs> yeah, which as a drummer, you and I are both drummers. Like that's our. I don't know if I would say that's your. Would you say that's your main instrument still? Uh, I definitely play more guitar, but um, I mean, I am still playing in a in a punk band with Doppelpopolis, and on that one, I split the drum duty. I play drums fifty percent of the time in that band, and guitar the other half. Me and my dude Johnny switch instruments. So I do get to do a little bit of drumming, but definitely more guitaring at this juncture. Right. But yeah, a, a drummer raised as a drummer. Yeah, raised right. as a drummer, grew up as a drummer. I bear, I learned a little bass for this little acoustic uh, band my friend Joy and I used to do called Hand Hug. We were adorable. I, I, I remember hand hug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your twee band. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was good times with that. That was like one of the most fun I've ever had in a band was just, the, but I, and I played a little bit of bass for that and learned like just the, the smallest amount. But in general, I don't even know why I got, Oh, talking about snare drums, like drummers can sit around and talk about snare drums for an hour. We try not to, if <laughs> other people have to listen to it. <laughs> but so so does Stompbox speak to you then as a drummer as a punk rock drummer yeah as like you know uh playing in a punk rock based band you know in my 20s uh and just loving punk in general and loving just loud shouty music like i love atari teenage riot i love just like I love screaming and yelling. And so to hear my favorite <laughs> band do it and do it really well, like, you know, and they're, they're always great as dynamics. So they bring it way down and then bring it back up. So yeah, I, I love yeah. that song so much. 
Brian Doherty is the Brian Doherty is the drummer on John Henry and the drummer on this one. And I like he on the wiki he even gets credit for spoken vocal, which is at the beginning him going one two one two, and then comes in and gets the credit for a vocal on that. <laughs> That's nice. That was nice of him to like, unless he was insistent, like make sure I get a credit for spoken vocal. But, but yeah, his his drumming is great on this one, and I love like especially you get that like floor tom beat going a lot that just like real primal you know caveman punk type beat he's got some great fills in there too um but it's just yeah it's totally a punk beat yeah yeah it's definitely a punk song in my mind anyway and i think the mind of a lot of fans i don't know if you're aware of a podcast called stand by your band you heard of this no mm, no it's a if people go on and kind of defend bands, lots of times it's bands like 311 who like people love to kind of shit on or something, you know, the sure, Eagles, sure. some band that people like love to shit on and they kind of defend them. And somebody went on and defended They Might Be Giants. And one of the things uh, you do is you also give the host, which is uh, Tom Takar and Tommy McNamara, uh, you give them six songs from the band to listen to. And the guy who was doing They Might Be Giants, one of the songs he chose was Stompbox. And nice. they were on board with every song but Stompbox. They were like, nah, all the rest of them, we, we, we like They Might Be Giants <laughs> now. We are fans, but not this one. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was looking at, uh, so stats-wise on the wiki, they've only played it 43 times, but this seems like one that could just really be fucking just tear the house down live. This just seems like just yeah. screaming to be played live. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I enjoyed the video game cover uh, or whatever. The uh, You sent me like someone playing a video game that went along with yeah. the song. And oh, I was like, oh. That. <laughs> We will we will get to that patience. Okay, I don't mean to jump patience. ahead. <laughs> uh, but then I was looking on the um, so there's I mean there's you know uh, a handful of really crazy they might be giants Facebook groups and um, there's one called uh, they might be shit posting and uh-huh. you're familiar with shit posting I'm sure. Oh sure. Yeah and. So there's a guy in here that does these um, survivor polls where um, – so right now he's doing the John Henry Survivor, which is where you vote for the song you like least and gradually songs get knocked out until uh-huh. you know the, the favorite song is claimed. And Stompbox just got knocked out today as the fourth song eliminated. So out of 20 songs, yeah, it was eliminated fourth. It was everyone's – Fourth least favorite song on John Henry, and that's bullshit. Yeah, well, I mean, like, but then what are you going to go with? Like, it's a pretty strong album for, you know, in my point of view. So, yeah, like, it's hard to say. I, I like, never oh, even voted in these song. things. I, yeah, I never even vote in these things. I just can't. I don't know. Maybe it's the wording. Like, vote for the song you like least. Like, I could, if you told me, oh, rank the songs, and I was yeah. thinking about it in a positive way. Then I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Then vote for the song you like least. And you're looking at all these songs, and you're like, oh, yeah, but 
I mean, Snail Shell, yeah, it has that slap bass, but it's still, it's still a good song. I can't vote for that. I just I just can't bring myself to click one of these, so I never really vote in them. Yeah, like, I, it's like, why would I want to take this thing that I love and, like, figure out what I don't like about it, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, The one, so uh, Eliminated First was Unrelated Thing, then Oh, Do Not Forsake Me. Uh, sure. I think people just not not liking the slow songs. I don't know, and then Spy, and then Stompbox. Now Spy um, is one that they play a shit ton live, and I think it's because especially if they have horn players in tow, they yeah. can really rock that one out um, and just go nuts. And like, there's a lot more room for improv on that one. Yeah, well, the whole, I love the end of that song where they're all just—it's just like wacky improv for like almost a full minute or something. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Here, Spy—they've played five hundred and fifteen times. Nice. And they've only played Stompbox forty-three times. Yeah. Well, it, they, it, well, it's their band. Let them do what they want. No, we demand Stompbox. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many songs. But yeah, these punk songs, I mean, I don't know how much they're playing Dig My Grave either. Um, you know, they were doing a flood 30th anniversary tour before all this shit went down, but I'm hoping in maybe in uh, 2022 they'll do an Apollo 30th anniversary uh, tour because I want to hear that in full, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. I I saw them play, I don't know how often they do it, but they did all of Fingertips Live once when I saw them. Like all like yeah, however yeah. many songs that is. And it was great to see people sing along with that. Like they know it so well and yeah. I've heard it so many times that they can do, I don't know, it's like 20 songs. It's probably not that many, but like people just went right into the next one just perfectly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's basically like one song at this point. Yeah. So Stompbox, I think maybe being, you know, track 19 of a 20 song album also is just yeah. like, you know, people start from the beginning lots of times. Yeah. Yeah. They don't true. make it to the end. I mean, even end of the tour, it looks like, uh, has been performed 158 times, which really isn't all that much, but, um, yeah, Stompbox, let's see, has not been played live since 2004. Well, let's see. Okay. So John Henry came out in 94. They played it on what looks like the entire tour of, for that album, 94 into 95. And then they played it twice in 96. Nothing until 2004. They played it three times and then nothing since then. So even in this century, it's only been played three times. Yeah. <laughs> we got to, we got to convince them to bring it back. Seriously. On this, this flood tour before everything got canceled, they brought back pet name off of uh, factory showroom. So like every once in a while they'll, they'll pull one out of the archives. So I think it's stomp boxes time and then change the people's opinion on it, man. Now, I was going to ask as a drummer, have you ever actually played a stomp box on something? You, you mean like guitar pedals? Uh, well, there's like no, the actual, like, you know, like a, a wooden box that you're just stomping on. Is the tradition? I know there's a guitar pedal. There's a guitar effects pedal I know called the stomp box, but there's also just well, like I mean a that's wooden. just like a general term. I mean that's just like a general term for you know guitar pedals as a whole. Since you, oh, since I you didn't step know on. that. 
Yeah. I didn't know that. There is also just like um, originally, like in blues and stuff, people would just put like a wooden box and stomp on it as like a base. Uh, right. Which I, I've done before on, on various things. It's a fun little instrument kind of. Stomping on boxes. Just an actual stomp box. Stomping on a stomp box. I can't. I've I've recorded myself stomping on the floor, but I can't say I've recorded myself stomping on a box. Um, I, but yeah, I always took this this title of this song, "Stomp Box," as being you know as the the guitar effects because it's like this aggressive song, and you know there's distortion on the vocals, so it's like you're hitting that stomp box to get that intensity, right? That oomph, that aggression. So that's how I always. That's how I always thought of it. And the um, speaking of distortion, the distortion on the vocals yes. in this one. Um, on the trivia here on the wiki, there's a little tidbit from uh, John Linnell in an interview in 1996 in a, a magazine called uh, mu- <laughs> called Music and Computers, which I just that's just a great. <laughs> Na- you yeah, know, it's very descriptive. It's very straightforward, uh, yeah. <laughs> we know what this magazine I mean, is about. I mean, I guess you were in the early days of digital recording, so, uh, you know, that was like a new thing. Then you're like, wait, you can do music on computers? Um, <laughs> what and so, so, the, <laughs> so the quote, he says, uh, do you ever listen to Indian film music? For some reason, they always do this routine where they distort the vocals. It's particularly obvious now that the backing music is done with a lot of MIDI equipment. It's very clear, but the vocals still get all distorted. I think it's fascinating. There's this woman named Lata Mangeshkar who's like 80 years old, and she sings on almost every film score. She has a really high, strong voice, and it always sounds like she's overdriving the microphone. We weren't influenced by that specifically, but we think it's a cool sound. At first... The recording engineers flinched when we wanted to do that, but now it's very accepted. So I I sent you this link to one of... I watched that video. I watched that entire video and actually really enjoyed it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like a really old... I mean, it's a black and white movie, 1964. Well, they said um, she was 80-something now whenever they did that interview. Right. So, Yeah. And so this was back when she was young. Yeah. And when she hits those high notes, it does get that distorted sound, um, which, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say that that would have been to know for sure if that was in- intentional at the time, right? Exactly. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> I mean, if they do it in every movie, maybe it is intentional. It's kind of an odd choice for the, um, you know, the genre. Like, I'll, I'll drop a clip of this in here. I mean, it's a ballad for a ballad to have distorted vocals is a pretty uh, uh counterintuitive choice maybe it i mean if it was an intentional choice maybe the idea is like the emotion is so like high that it's like it's causing i mean it's the same thing when you hear distorted vocals 
on any album now. It's like, oh, that emotion is so strong. The microphone can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I would like to know if they let Linnell just like go into the red on this thing, but I'm guessing they probably recorded it cleanly and then put effects on it. That would be my guess. Yeah, it's hard to Rather, know for yeah. sure. Yeah. Rather than committing to a distorted sound, you can mess with it later. Um, yeah, that would make sense. You know, run his voice through a stomp box, baby. And I, through that I do fuzz love pedal. that sound. It really does like make the song in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so musically, before we get into the actual, and it's very hard to understand the words with all that fuzz, I look at the lyrics, all that distortion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but musically, before we get to the lyrics, um, we talked about the drums a lot. What else do you like about the musical elements of uh, this song? Um, well, I like that even though like we were, we've been talking about how punk the song is, there's still like a really cool horn part. I think, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's trumpet. Do you know what it is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's um there's trumpet by Steven uh Steven Bernstein played trumpet on this one, and then Linnell himself plays Alto and Barry Sax on it. But yeah, that trumpet really really tears it up in this song. Yeah. Yeah, that there's that little breakdown. Yeah, the breakdown is really good. And like I said earlier with the dynamics, how it just like comes in and out like that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like they keep pulling it back. There's a that little breakdown, which is really only like eight quick measures. If even that, yeah. the, you know, really high with that trumpet and then it kicks yeah. right back it into so it. Measures? Can I just say how much better you did it? Than <laughs> I think I went like, <laughs> it was not, <laughs> <laughs> I have this real problem reenacting song. If we could just do a quick aside, um, our usual friend uh, Addison Rogers. Uh, one year, we were sitting around near Christmas, and he was like, "Hey, what's your favorite Christmas song?" And I was like, "Oh, I think it's a. Uh, you know what? I actually love is Christmas is the time to say I love you." And I couldn't think of who it was by. It's by Billy Squire. Now I'm pretty sure that that's right. He was like, "I don't think mm-hmm. I know it." And I was like, you know, it's like Christmas is the time to say I love you. <laughs> he's like, he started laughing hysterically. He's like, I'm like, why are you laughing? He's like, that's not a song. I'm like, no, it is. <laughs> and he looked it up and was it? He was like, oh yeah, I know this song. That's not what you were doing. <laughs> oh, like, I'm what really a bad that at guy. recreating. Yeah. <laughs> He's a yeah. good man. Addison Rogers of the band Busman's Holiday, who I would highly recommend to everybody. Yeah. Uh, I feel like as I well. told that story on the first uh the first time we did this for some reason. On the I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't, there's no way to know. <laughs> there's no way to know. I could have just told you there's on no way the to know. one day. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way to, to check that. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, the, uh, the, oh yeah. So then there's like, there's like a false ending, you know, it's, it's that, oh, yeah. dun, 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 dun. 
boom, 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 boom. And then it goes into just like the little, like there's still like, like it's like the quiet punk beat. And then the trumpet comes in. The trumpet's uh, got a mute in it. I think a Harmon mute is what you call it. It gives that kind of like, wah, wah, that sound. Yeah, Comes yeah. in quietly. There's these little guitar noodles. And then, and then it's right back in for that final chorus. Man. Yeah, that's one of that's one thing of many that they're really good at is like bringing it down in this way and then like blowing the roof off. Like, um, they're so good at that. Yeah, I mean, no one can say this song is is too simple because yeah, they couldn't just leave it at just you know wham bam you know punk all the way through. They had to put these little twists into it, and there is really a lot going on there. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean. Flansburg's guitar really isn't I mean it's got this distortion to it but it's not too hot in the mix you're hearing a lot of the organ that Linnell plays really hitting that really staccato feel going the whole way through um, and then the bass I was listening to closer today uh, Tony Maimoni I, Tony I, I, I feel like I'm saying his name wrong every time Tony I hope you're Maimone. saying <laughs> that's a good name it's 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 formerly of the band Pear Ubu, the art punk band Pear Ubu. Oh sure, they might be giants during this time, and his part has all these big like slides in it. And uh, till I hon- really honed in and listened to it this afternoon, it's like dun, 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 through like the whole thing. It's just perfection, just like every little bit of it. They're not just bashing. Like there's all these little interesting elements in every every instrument going in the song yeah i should listen to it closer because i loved it uh, you know the first time i heard it and then i listened to it again i hadn't listened to it you know for like i don't know a year or so and listened to it again today in preparation for the podcast but of course like i didn't go through and i couldn't really pick out like every little thing but that is uh, another good thing about this band is you can go back through and pick out if you you can pick out all these little things that like are going on that you're not going to hear the first listen. Yeah, and I think you know it's hard to tell how much overlap. Like I don't I don't think there's a ton of overlap in punk music fans and they might be Giants fans, which is really a shame because I know you know, the Johns grew up listening to punk stuff. I mean, I know Flansburg loves the Ramones. I mean, this is not like a parody punk song. Like this is a kind of music that they love. It's just not something they really dip into a whole lot. Um, And I mean, you could tell that they, that they really know what they're doing. And I feel like a lot of people hear it and they're just like, Oh no, it's just like their gut reaction is just like, ah, it's too loud and messy. But if you really pay attention to it and you hear about all, you hear all those details and you really notice all the dynamics they do, you know, I think people would like it more. I think they just brush it off as like, you know, the, those first couple of measures are like, ah, skip. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think you're you're right. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who abs- like us who absolutely love it. You know, I'm sure there's, a, there's probably a, a, a lot of a punk fans who are also into They Might Be Giants, but. Uh, maybe it's less than other bands. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've found a fair amount, but that's that's just because I, you know, that's the people that I know. You know, it's yeah, not really yeah. a good uh, gauge of the overall, you know, Venn diagram of that fandom. It's just, you know, the people that I know happen to <laughs> like punk for the most part. 
I was going to say, now that I think about it, you're not the boss of me is kind of punkish. Like, uh huh. And it's got a little bit of ska going in there, too. Yeah. Well, I'm a big ska fan from way back, and that's become like to so many people, like the devil's music, they just hate it. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just, I think it's an easy thing to hate on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Third wave ska. Got, some of the bands got a little goofy. Um, but yeah, I like a lot a of those real bands goofy. too. Yeah. yeah, but um, Stompbox on the wiki, you can you can score on the wiki as well, and um, it's out of nine hundred and ten uh, songs in the database that are scorable, it came in at three eighty seven. So it's it's still in. I mean, it's almost in that that upper third. Uh, so it's really. I mean. Yeah, I mean it's 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 above the middle, and I mean the yeah. average rating is eight point three four. So really, that's pretty damn good, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we're maybe we're wrong in that people don't like it as much as they like other songs. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just feeling like the Johns don't. I mean, they haven't played it all that much. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they don't like it. But yeah, the, I just saw this. You know, the Survivor poll today, and I'm like. Stompbox went out that early? Come on, man. Before Window? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a weird song. That has a weird vocal effect, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the window. <laughs> it's just like, he's, I mean, I think it has a weird vocal effect, but I think he's also just singing it weird, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, the Linnell, uh, Linnellism on that one. <laughs> um, should we get into the lyrics? Yeah, let's get into the lyrics because these are ones where, like, I don't, I'm not sure what they're trying to say. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like, raise his friend. It's like, okay, that's pretty straightforward. Get it. I get it. Yeah. Why does the sun shine? I get it. <laughs> yeah. Stompbox? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I interviewed them once uh, and I said, you know, I asked them like, hey, some of your lyrics are very straightforward and some seems like more like ethereal or like, and I think I asked him about a different song and Linnell was like, he said something that like really stuck with me and I can't remember the exact wording of it. But basically, he was like, everyone thinks there's some curtain that you need to pull back, and then you'll see what is behind it. But the song is the song. And I think he was trying to say, like, there's not necessarily a really concrete thing. I, I wasn't quite sure, but I took it. I wasn't, it sounds weird to say I wasn't sure what he was saying, but I took it to heart. But that's yeah, right. how I felt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. not making sense. No, 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 you are, and I, I think you told that story on the uh, episode one, two. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, I mean, maybe he was also just he's tired of people asking him. About yeah, yeah, he could have just been cranky. <laughs> they seemed a little cranky that day, to be honest. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah, the the I mean the whole the whole tone of the lyrics is just very dark. This is one of the few songs from the era that I probably don't have memorized because it's just been so hard to understand a lot of yeah, it yeah. with that distortion on there. But yeah, stomp box, speak my thoughts, vent these voices from the dark. 
shout, 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 scream it out. I mean, it seems like almost just like that can be just be taken right on the surface there. Like the, the lyrics and music are just go hand in hand. It's he's screaming. (laughs) He's shouting about shouting. He's screaming about screaming. That's true. (laughs) I was probably making it too complicated. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe it's just about like, I guess my thought has kind of just been like, it's a song about the power of music and how a genre like punk can be like a, uh, you know, a conduit for, you know, angry young people to just like kind of get their emotions out and, you know, whether, whether it's like some real, you know, heady thought or it's just screaming, like it says, blast your missive, tell the wordless message, little stomp box, tear it from my heart. So they're tearing their emotions from their heart. It's a wordless message. They're just screaming. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a release. Yeah. I definitely got that reading the lyrics is that you're just releasing. And I think he said something about an inner demon in the lyrics. Like they mentioned an inner demon. Uh, yeah. Free the demon. So yeah, then the, the second verse, uh, stomp box voice of fear, Pour the poison in my ear. And that line there on the wiki, people are pretty sure that it is a Hamlet reference. Are you a Shakespeare guy? I know uh, Hamlet. I know that play. I enjoy the little bit of Shakespeare that I've read. But I know in Hamlet, there's a... uh, uh, The uncle kills Hamlet's father by pouring poison in his ear, I think, right? Yeah. Um, oh, there's a play inside the play, and that's what happens. In Hamlet, there's uh, a play that takes place during the play. I know that. Right, right. Um, so I just Googled it, and there's some like cliff notes here or something. Remember that Claudius killed King Hamlet by po- pouring poison in his ear. Shakespeare continually illustrates that words can function as poison in the ear as well. As the ghost says in Act 1, Scene 5, Claudius has poisoned the whole ear of Denmark with his words. I don't know what that part means, but (laughs) I mean, I think yeah, I don't know know if it was a saying before the Shakespeare before Hamlet, but pouring poison in someone's ear is definitely like a thing that I've heard many times. You know, just to poison someone Mm -hmm. against someone else to put negative thoughts in their head, right? So do you think this is a Hamlet reference or just, uh, you know, just a turn of phrase? Uh, if I had to guess, I mean, it's really on the edge. If I had to guess, I'd say they're just using uh, the phrase, which is very common. Or I've never said it, it, but maybe I will. Maybe I will start saying it. <laughs> I think it's more antiquated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a cool phrase for sure because, like, I mean, poison, you're going to poison someone by making them eat it, making them swallow it. You're going to pour it in their mouth, pouring it in someone's ear. It's not the most direct way to get something into someone's system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, metaphorically, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect. And People don't even do LSD that way. Yeah. <laughs> Stick it up my butt. <laughs> yeah. Every other way, I feel like. <laughs> well, you know it's got to be a last resort. When people are putting like it in their eyes, 
I had a friend who did LSD <laughs> by putting it under his eyelid. So. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like nice. a tab of paper. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this one, I mean, and then, when, so getting into this verse, it's almost like you could take it to a more sinister level. Like it's got the kill me now, it's got the free, the demon. Um, but it's almost like you could interpret it as like someone who's hearing voices and about one of Linnell's favorite topics, which is depression. I mean, the guy's saying, kill yeah. me now, free the demon, hear this, the ceaseless screaming. I mean, yeah, the poison in my ear, like he's hearing voices. He wants to die. I mean, this is like, you know, typical Linnell stuff that like when you really break it down, you're like, Jesus Christ, dude. But when you're in the middle of the song, you're just like, kill, 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 kill. Yeah. I mean, there's something fun, too, about being in the audience and just all shouting, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> That's why they should Kill Bart, like. kill Bart, kill Bart, kill Bart, kill Bart. I assume this is a Simpsons <sighs> reference that I'm not getting. Yes. <laughs> My favorite episode of all time, Lisa on Ice, where Lisa and Bart are on opposing hockey teams. <laughs> really? I've never seen that one. That sounds good, though. And the one, yeah. And the one side of the crowd is saying, kill Bart, like telling Bart to kill. And the other side is saying, kill Bart. As in, oh. Kill Bart. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. So, that's I mean, really and that's, that's all... That's all the lyrics in the songs. It just pretty much does the two verses again after the little breakdown. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty much all you need in this song. Uh, well, what what do you think about that? I mean, is this song, is it another one about depression? Or is that second verse just, is it just more screaming and just that those those young punk feelings? I think it's definitely about negative emotions. Maybe... Something like more assertive than depression, you know, because lots of times the other side of depression is like anger. Or I think like, at least I'll say when I was a teenager, you know, angst where you like kind of enjoy your depression. You're like, I'm so dark right. and no one knows the demons in my head. They're like, yeah, we all know the demons. We all know the demons, kid. Uh, but maybe just talking about like uh, the darkness that's even like, darker or more violent than depression more violent yeah because really i mean clinical depression is more going to be it's not going to be a get up and go kind of thing like in this song just like you know speeding out the door thing it's the opposite right yeah 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 mm-hmm. but yeah i mean either either way the the lyrics are great because they're just so you know they just link up so perfectly with the tone of the song like they're inseparable like i couldn't imagine these lyrics going to any other they might be giant song than than this one you know what's interesting about that is lots of times i feel like they like to reverse it they like to have like really happy music with really sad lyrics or the other way around and this is one Mm -hmm. where it's like they're really joined up it's like it's a dark loud shouty song with dark loud shouty lyrics true yeah 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 good point good point um let's see anything else about the lyrics before we get into the covers section i don't think so i mean they uh i mean they speak for themselves in a lot of ways like yeah if you read the lyrics you imagine the music being like what it is right Mm -hmm. 
let's take a break to hear from one of our podcast friends. You like They Might Be Giants, huh? I hope so, considering the podcast you're listening to. Do you want to listen to another podcast where they mention They Might Be Giants almost every episode and it has nothing to do with that band? Of course you do. Well, then we have the podcast for you. At Bare Naked ABCs, we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song alphabetically. We break down the music, break down the lyrics, discuss other appearances by the band, and just have a fun time in general. But we also have interviews sometimes with people related to the band, such as when we talk to Dave Foley of Kids in the Hall, Harlan Williams, Susan Rogers, and of course, Stephen Page and Andy Cregan from Bare Naked Ladies. So if you like funny, sarcastic, and irreverent humor and music, come listen to us talk about the Canadian They Might Be Giants over at Bare Naked ABC. All right, well then, let's head to the cover section. Uh, first one is by a guy going by the name Ray Blue. And Ray Blue, uh, his... YouTube channel is Ray Blue sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and ten years ago, March uh, twenty ten, he uploaded this cover here, and and I like the what looks like I guess the album cover is him sitting at what looks like just a table full of like uh, takeout food or something and there's a beer there and he's got his guitar i don't know it's just like a, it's a funny sloppy little looking scene there but yeah. uh i dig it and and the album is called various songs uh that's so that's something but i i like this cover let's listen to it okay So what did you think of it? I liked what I heard. And musically, it seemed like very like uh, straightforward cover. Like um, the vocals weren't the same. Like he didn't have that same overdrive effect, I don't think, on his vocals. I could be wrong, or at least not to that degree. So I kind of missed that. Yeah, I mean, he had a little bit of a like a gritty vocal tone, but not so much uh, an effect on it, I don't think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, w- one thing I really like about it is that the guitars are cranked up, like the guitar fuzz and just the level of it in the mix is way up. So it it makes it sound even more like a punk song, I think. Right. Well, the more I think about it, the more your thought of like Stompbox in this case referring to a guitar pedal makes sense because it just sounds like the song to me sounds a lot like I'm. 17 i'm playing in a punk band and what makes me feel good is like stomping on this distortion pedal and screaming into this microphone which i'm all for yeah that's a great way to deal with things 
And I like that this Ray Blue cover, it's got everything in it. You know, it's got the drums, bass. It's even got horns in it. I feel like when I was listening closely to them, I think it's like a keyboard setting horns and just where they're at with the guitar and stuff. Like it almost really, you know, he almost pulls one over on you. But I don't think I don't think it's real horns, but he keeps that element in there with a keyboard horn sound. And in the breakdowns, he has like this tremolo effect on his guitar that's pretty cool. So I think really, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty great cover. It seemed to me like, uh, from what I listened to of it, it was a very straightforward, like I'm trying to make this sound like the original. And I guess since I didn't hear all of it, I can't say that for sure. Oh, it's it's definitely faithful. Um, but but yeah, he he definitely puts his own twist on it. But so now let's get to the uh, the really bizarre next cover I found on SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud, this is uh, Enarembi, Enarembi, uh, E N A R E M B E E, Enarembi, uh, a Stompbox cover from 2015. This one be fucked up. What do you think about this one? I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I like. Yeah. Uh, I like they did like a slower, softer version of it. Is what it seemed like to me, and the instrumentation seems very different. I could be wrong, but uh, oh yeah, I mean it's all like electronic, very like ambient synths and stuff like that. You've got a. a a guy's voice and a gal's voice kind of singing in, uh, in octave apart, doing it very kind of... Yeah, it starts out slow, like... Starbox, speak my thought. And then it kind of picks up a little bit. The um, um, Oh, yeah, it's still going kind of slow in the shout, shout, shout. I mean, when I played it, I'm like, wait, is this... Like, if it didn't say straight up, Team BG cover, I'd be like, this is just some other song named Stompbox. Right. <laughs> uh, you can hear it in there. You can hear the original in there. But I like it. You know, like if I want to listen to Stompbox by Dave Army Giants, that's easy to do whenever I want. So if I'm, if I'm going to hear a cover of it, I want to hear something really different. And I feel like this is also a song you don't cover. It's not like Mary Jane's Last Dance where you're like, well, we better learn something that everyone at the bar knows. Right. Like, so you're not going to cover Stop Box by They Might Be Giants unless you love the song. 
you know so i mm-hmm. think that comes across that they're like they really dig the song and they wanted to do it their way so yeah i, now, I dug it a lot now you you wouldn't have heard it very well as i was playing it over the speakers for you but did you notice there's like a spoken a sample yeah, that's, in it that's over top so weird yeah that's very weird I figured out what it is. It's very hard to understand because there's echo on it and stuff. Did you did you figure out where that the no, clip no. is from? No. It's Stuart Smalley from SNL. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I didn't catch it at first, but then there's one little break in like the, the main vocals and, and he's saying and there's part like Stuart Smalley is not a licensed therapist or whatever. <laughs> and then it's him, him saying, because I'm good enough, I'm enough, smart, I'm enough, smart and enough and dog on it. <laughs> people like people me. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, just a ridiculous choice. That like, makes me love it even more because like you know, one thing I like about They Might Be Giants and a lot of the art I like in general is, like, it's not in your face with, like, what exactly it means. Like, you, it's not random. You get a feeling from it. Like, you know the writer had something in mind, and but it's so, like, so they had a reason to use that clip, and it kind of works in some weird way, but it's not, like, yeah. going to come right out and tell you, this is what is going on, you know? That, I, I love that. You seem, you seem a little doubtful. Yeah. No, I, I mean, once I figured out what it was, I'm like, I was like, hey! And I'm like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> but maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it was a, a synergy between the, you know, they've, they've brought down the intensity of the song. But it's still this person who's got this all this emotion that's got to they've got to let it out. Whereas the and and the character of Stuart Smalley was a guy who was kind of like, you know, he was like had been doubting himself and he wasn't, you know, he has to kind of build himself up. He's like, I am a I am a good person. I am, you know, whatever. So another uh, emotional person. <laughs> I don't know. Was that Phil Hartman? Was that a Hartman character or was that someone else? No, that was. Um, uh, L. Franken. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Man, <laughs> yeah, it does make sense if you think about, you know, we were talking about how the song is kind of all about, like, angst and depression and getting these emotions out. And, you know, a lot of that, I think, usually comes from, like, these feelings of self-loathing. So then they put in Stuart Smalley, this guy who <laughs> clearly does not like himself but is trying it was for those of you not aware of it daily affirmations with Stuart Smalley and they would always say Stuart Smalley is not a licensed therapist <laughs> I think I'll have to like, drop in a clip of something here yeah it would be him like looking at himself in the mirror yeah I deserve good things I am entitled to my share of happiness I refuse to beat myself up I am an attractive person I am fun to be with Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And they use the classic... uh cable access style television show like it was supposed to look like a cable access television show 
Uh, yeah, we, it was almost like some some Tim and Eric style stuff, you know, way before. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ridiculous character. A great sketch. You're, yeah, it was a ridiculous character. <laughs> so that was, when I when I had that realization, I mean, I had to listen to it on earbuds. I was listening when I was walking the dog this afternoon. I was like, holy shit, Stuart Smiley. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I, I i had almost given up on it just like with all the effect and stuff and i'm like oh it's just some random thing you know it's not important but then when it clicked i was like no way <laughs> yeah i, I like oh, their take man. on it now now that i know that uh is Stuart smalley i like it even better <laughs> and, and now let's talk about this thing i sent you uh, on the email i said what the fuck is this? And I sent you the link to this thing that is some sort of video game. Okay, so this is on on YouTube. Uh, it says, Osu, with an exclamation point. They might be giants. Stomp box. Intense. HDDTHR, which has got to be an acronym for some video game that... I, or maybe Osu is the name of the video Osu game. Osu is I don't the know. game. I looked that up. I looked that up. Osu okay. is... It is the game. You know, it's like a game you can play on your phone, which is what it looks like. Um, I don't know how you play this game. There's a ball bouncing around like crazy, and you're trying to send it through various tubes and what. It, it works with the music. Yeah, so I'll play a little bit, and really all you're going to hear is this clicking. But, yeah, it's, it's like it must be, you know, the person tapping on the screen trying to follow these yeah, the tubes around and make this little light go through this light ball, go through these tubes. And then this little pinwheel keeps popping back up. It's, it's wacky. It just, the song is so fast. I'm just wondering if this is a game. I mean, is this a game where you can put in any song you want and it'll make a thing with it? I mean, this doesn't seem like the kind of like this deep They Might Be Giants cut from 1994 is just going to pop up in a video game app. Yeah, I think this is something someone did. And when I looked it up, the game, I didn't like try to play the game. I'm sure it's in the app store or whatever. Um, it said it was a rhythm based game. So there is uh -huh. that. And I think it's something my guess is that I don't know, is it something someone made to, and they somehow made this game go along with the music and they matched it up fairly well. If that's what they were doing. And it's funny because they did speed it up, and it's already a really fast song, and they made it even faster. It's on the intense difficulty level. It's on the intense, yeah. It looks like an intense game. Seriously. Jeez. I got uh, crippling arthritis in me thumbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was just a wacky thing I found. Uh <laughs> Um, <clears throat> figured I would share that with you just so you huh? I'm glad you did. Yeah, I enjoyed that too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're to that time in the show and you need to score this song. As you recall, 
it's on a scale of uh, you know to ten, and you can use decimals uh, to score stomp box against the entire they might be giants cannon. Right, man. It's always so hard. I had forgotten that this was part uh, of the podcast. <laughs> man, I mean, there can't be a, for me. There's probably not a they might be giants song that's lower than an eight. Uh, maybe there's some yeah. sevens in there. I don't know. Uh, so it's really hard to like, okay, so it's definitely not, I, I'm going to give it a solid nine. Nice. Good solid nine. It's definitely one of my favorites, but it's not up there with like bells are ringing or, uh, spiraling shape, which are like two of my favorite favorites, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. going to get, yeah, I'm going to give it a good solid nine. Tight, tight. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven point two, um, which I I I love this song. But again, you know, I have to rank every single song, so you know they can't all be tense. Right, Matt. You can't just like. Well, obviously, also I picked this one to talk about, which shows how much I love it. Right. So. Right. But yeah, for all the reasons we talked about, just, you know, growing up on punk music, this, you know, this would have been one of the first They Might Be Giants albums I heard um, because I got, you know, I became a fan of them just a couple of years before. um, And everything else I was listening to was like fast, fast, you know, California skate punk and, you know, a lot of the Chicago punk bands. And this was just like my bread and butter. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly the same thing for me. And they do it so well. It doesn't sound like some band who uh, plays another genre of music and is just trying this out and doesn't know what they're doing. You know, they are they are very, very good at playing this style of music. And I wish they did it more. I want to hear a punk tune in 2021, fellas. Yeah. Yeah, they do some more rocking stuff on certain albums. But yeah, this is definitely one of their more raucous tunes. Yeah, I mean, not that they don't rock out plenty hard, but I, I want the I want these tempos, these drum beats. Yeah, yeah me too. Give me that punk beat. <laughs> uh, so hey, uh, plug your stuff one more time before we uh, we 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 get off the phone. Congrats on the album, man. Thank you so much. Uh, the album is called The History of the Universe. Uh, it's uh, out Friday the 13th, Friday, November 13th from On Tour Records. You can find the best way to find it is just go to my Twitter or my Instagram, which uh, is at Lasersaurus, L A Z R S A U R U S. Like we said, if you want to read a bunch of short stories about wizards, you can go to storiesaboutwizards.com. I also have a podcast. Uh, I have a podcast called Do You Know What Time It Is, where my friends call and, like, wake me up in the middle of the night for stupid reasons. (laughs) And I have to try to get them (laughs) off the phone. Uh, That's fun. I would love it if you would listen to that. Oh, and you know what? Now that I think about it, so I had to come up with a theme song for that podcast real quick, and I had a kazoo. So, and I'm playing like, it's not a stop box, but I did put a board down on the floor, 
And so it's me like slapping my thighs and playing kazoo and stomping on a board on the floor for the, <laughs> the theme song for that, for that podcast. Man. So check out, do you know I what time it is? Check this out. Yes. Uh, do you know what time it is? Dude, actually, yeah, just go to like my Twitter or my Instagram, which is again at Lasersaurus, and all this stuff will be there. So if I just call you up in the middle of the night, does that mean I'm on your podcast? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it is, uh, subs- is it subterfuge? Is that the word? It's all like a trick. Like they're calling in the middle yeah. of the day and we're recording it and I'm pretending like they're calling in the middle of the night. It's all, it's all smoke and mirrors, Greg. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them that. You've, you've, you've drawn yeah, back you- the curtain, Mr. Linnell. Oh, no, I mean, these, <laughs> these assholes. How dare they? <laughs> All right. Awesome. So people can find This Might Be a Podcast at thismightbeapodcast.com. You can find a lot of covers that me and friends have done at thismightbeapodcast.bandcamp.com. We're on all of the social media stuff. Uh, you can email me thoughts. Uh, tell me about uh, how awesome Stompbox is, or did we get it totally wrong? No, we didn't, but you can try. Uh, this might be a pod at Gmail, or call in at 224-801-2930 and leave me a voicemail. Uh, if you really like the shiz, you could go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast to get bonus content and the merchandise. And uh, I think that's it. David Britton, everybody. Oh, thank <laughs> Greg. It was just like, it's so good to talk to you, man. I miss you, buddy. Yeah, man, I miss you too. I, it was so good to have you back. Uh, episode one and episode 107 is what this is going to be. Important. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, congrats again on the album, and I will uh, talk to you later. Okay. Thanks, buddy.